Hey, ladies and gents, a uh, quick word before we start this episode. This podcast was recorded Wednesday night on June 21st uh, and contains a lengthy discussion towards the end uh, about the Titan submersible that went down to the Titanic. Uh, and that discussion was obviously had before the news broke on Thursday morning about the tragic end to that voyage. Um, and, uh, you know, we had some jokes and some laughter about uh, that whole expedition, and some of you might find those jokes uh, in poor taste because, quite frankly, they probably were. So um, those are in the episode towards the end. You're welcome to skip them, uh, and you are welcome to send us hate mail on Twitter. We probably deserve it, but unlike the NHL, uh, we believe in not covering up our mistakes, owning up to uh, the moments we'd rather forget, and not trying to paper over uh, mistakes that we've made in the past. So, you know, if you enjoy it. If you like the black comedy sort of stuff, you might enjoy the end of the episode. If you want to skip that, you can skip it entirely. I just felt uh, that it was necessary to give you a warning that it was coming uh, and let you do with that as you will. So with that out of the way, we will return to the episode as recorded on Wednesday night and hope you enjoy what you can of it. And next week, we will try to not make any off-color jokes except for the usual nonsense that we always do. Have a great day. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys One Cup podcast, and it is Wednesday, January, January. Fuck did that come from? <laughs> June twenty first, and we are live and in living color. You, I mean, we're not live. That's not how live works. You would have to be watching us and listening to us right now. And unless you're in this Zoom room with two participants, or you're in Jacksonville or St. Louis, which a lot of them probably are in St. Louis, to be That's fair. Right. Uh, then you're not joining us live. But we're here live. We're real people. We are not uh, flesh-covered machines. <laughs> Ian, uh. I want to warn you at the outset, my brain is just jelly this week. I am buying a house, and my work week has been nuts, and uh, it's just all, you know, who knows what's oh, yeah. going on out there. I sure don't. Who knows? It's I don't know. I know nothing, but in any case, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Folks, uh, Steven's new house is a total party house. It's, yeah. it's oh, yeah. you got an Odie it chair. Awesome. It's colored inside like it's a cartoon house. Um, the guy oh, yeah. that tried to kill total Jim Davis house. did not live there, but he does <laughs> want his right. treasure back. No, but he did pressure it. He did uh, rent it out as a um, Airbnb. So there is that one. <laughs> oh, boy. Boy, boy. When are you, boy, when are you boy, supposed boy. to close? When are you closing on this? 
When's uh, the deal getting done? That, okay, mid, that makes mid sense. July closing date's not official yet. They said 21 days, so it could be a little sooner, but I'm not. Yeah. I've got my apartment until August 7th. So I've got make sure time. those sellers clean those carpets. Oh, baby. That's a good idea. Cleaning carpets. That's right. You don't know what they're fucking doing on those carpets, man. Ah, good, good thinking. Is it old um, people? Is it old people? You sometimes buy no, old people's grave. It's worse. It's Albanian. Oh no! <laughs> I had nothing wrong. I have nothing against. The we Albanian love Dua Lipa. <laughs> That's right. Maybe it's Dua Lipa. That oh yeah, that would be too much. <laughs> do, I don't think I can. do you know Dua Lipa? <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, I do. Lots of people do. (laughs) (laughs) Very famous. Um, No, there's a, they had the little uh, Albanian eagle, you know, the the Mm. two headed eagle thing, the logo. And I sent that to to Nikwes, my German boss and said, what should I make of this symbol in a house I'm touring? And he just responded, Albanians run. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I think I'm going to buy it. And he said, are you going to clear out the bodies that are buried in the backyard first? like yeah probably that's right see uh, i'm telling you clean those carpets <laughs> that's right you got to clean the carpets god only knows what's happening on those carpets but uh in any case ian it's been a week for me so uh bear with me as i'm sure this will be a, just a wild and wacky episode which the people are accustomed to at this point let's be honest we never make sense right yeah. um and speaking of things that don't make sense, I'm starting with this because I think it'll be shorter and the other uh, thing will be more of an in-depth conversation. How about these Flyers jerseys, baby? Because, uh, yeah, I figured out what it is. I figured out what it is. They've got, the Flyers have this thing. They have the classic jerseys, you know, the untouchable NHL jerseys. And I get that. I really do. You shouldn't mess with a classic much. But what they need is a logo retool not a rebuild not a re whatever (laughs) a retool Mm -hmm. because you look at the blue note throughout history it's changed you know over time it's had different colors in there um it's had different shapes you know the edges have changed a little bit Mm -hmm. um it's just been different over time because design changes you know and it used to have more of the rounded edges now it's got more of the pointy tails probably actually about time for another refresh for it but you know it's been basically the same thing but just looks enough different that it catches your eye as new and fresh and exciting mm-hmm. and i think that's what the flyers missed here more than anything i you could have redesigned the whole jersey but listen their jerseys have worked for a lot of years however i will say this it does not uh to me promise a lot of good for a franchise that swears they're leaving the past behind to have exactly the same jerseys they've always had <laughs> as their big debut you know because they dropped this like it was a big reveal like oh look at our new jerseys and it's like this is a new era of new orange jerseys. as they say yeah you know? and it's just the same so i yeah. don't know what are your thoughts yeah, it's definitely something where I don't think I was expecting them to change anything. And I also didn't really want them to change anything. But then on the complete opposite end, I was like, do something, though. I mean, their jerseys that they debuted um, online this week, they look much more 90s, I'll say, 90s, 2000s, sort of. Like, they they went away from that sort of, like, thinner white line uh, on the shoulders and down the arm. 
and they got rid of like the white line at the bottom of their homes like entirely um and then they also kind of switched to a burnt orange now and uh-huh. it looks like that in the picture and then i read that it is actually different so it is a lot more like the uh, it's it's still different but it's a little more like the orange that edmonton moved away from this season so it's slightly different but yeah again it's like they have two or three jersey templates that i think they just put on rotation and they're like ah hearkening back to years past but also yeah moving us into the future let, let me take you on a quick tour of the historic changes to the Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh, the Philadelphia Flyers logo. Are you ready? Mm. Take a look at our shared screen. And here we go. That's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> That's the whole thing. They moved the restricted logo and the orange got very slightly darker. And that's it. That's the whole thing. So yeah, just, just be different. Be new. These guys, I... I love Danny Breer. Um, the 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 Proverov trade was smart. I think that was a a nice piece of business, That's you know, right. as they say. Um, but uh, man, I just think this. I I worry about this franchise a lot. I yeah, I'll have to see how they do um, come the draft, which we'll we'll talk about in a little bit. I feel like this is a big summer for them because this is a new GM and a new president and they really need to kind of start swinging for the fences in, in terms of like starting a rebuild. Like I wonder if Travis Konechny is still there. Um, I wonder if, you know, Carter Hart's still there. I don't know if Sean Couturier when he's healthy, is he still there? Is, is uh, Kevin Hayes still there? Like it's a lot of guys that they could be moving out the door just to jumpstart this rebuild and, a lot of that could be happening at the draft if they want to package those guys for first round picks and see what they can do um, in a rebuild. So I guess we'll see. I like Philadelphia. Like they're a fun franchise. They haven't won anything since the seventies, which I think is kind of funny because they are always like, Oh, the Philadelphia Flyers, such a big historic um, franchise in the NHL. And it's like, yeah, I get it. They're as old as the blues and everything, but now they've won one more cup and, both of those cups were in the 70s i don't know just sort of like eh, you haven't done much much for me lately at all um so i don't know i mean as philly as philly fans you would think that this franchise needs to turn around quickly because they're literally built on a lot like what next to where the 76ers play or like right now where the eagles play or the philly it's like it's a big sports town with teams that can compete for your dollar um and it's I don't know if you're just a shit if you're just shitty for too long then like no one's gonna be showing up to Flyers games like yeah Flyers Philly or Phillies Sixers and and Eagles are all competitive and and the Flyers are just a laughing stock right now so hopefully hopefully they can write the shit Philadelphia Union they're good they're good too yeah. I mean you're number five baby you can be number five in your market that's true they should they really Ian quickly need to uh, write write the ship and speaking that's of right. writing the ship. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. We won't do it. We won't. We won't do it. We won't make a. Uh, we won't make a schlocky transition to the most fascinating story in human history. Maybe we'll talk about it later when the dogs stop barking. But oh, we got to uh, talk about it. Okay. Do we have it in the notes to remind ourselves? Let's. Do, we'll. We'll remind. It. I'll put it. I'll put it right at the end of this whole here thing. Uh, how do you spell? Um, 
COVID denialism. Okay, we've got it in there. That's in the notes. <laughs> we're going to talk about COVID denialism. Now let's talk about the Hockey Hall of Fame because uh, very, very big year for Blues fans. Two inductees who have a big chunk of their career associated with the Blues. Pierre Turgeon, uh, at least in his graphic, was uh, inducted as a Blue. I don't know how that works, you know, in the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame as compared with the um like MLB Hall of Fame. Ian, you've been there. Do they have a team, like a team listed, or is it just like all their teams? Or No, I think it's all the teams. I mean, maybe they only list one team if you're like Bernie Federico or something. Right. But I want I want to say even he, it's been so long, but I want to say you don't he remember had like every Detroit. detail of being yeah. there. Oh, I do want to go back. But yeah, I mean, Turgeon did play. He, like of all the teams he played on, he played for the Blues the most by like just by like five games over his stint in Buffalo. And he also had the most points here of any team he was on, too. So, like, and then again, it's very close to Buffalo, but even close with the Islanders. So, I mean, he's kind of like on three different teams for a good chunk of his time. He went to Montreal, uh-huh. Dallas, Colorado each for like three years, Colorado for two. So, he's been all over the place, but I'd say he's got like three specific teams that are kind of his calling card. I mean, yeah. Pierre Turgeon too is a player that for a long time was a bubble guy, right? Like in terms of the hockey hall of fame, folks were like, yeah, like he's kind of the one of the two or three best players that isn't in the hall of fame. And it was sort of like, he was the weird sort of line where they were like, well, he is really, really good, but does he have like individual hardware i want to say yeah he never he won a lady bang but nothing else he never won a stanley cup yeah no cup. um 1294 games 1327 points uh obviously with the blues he had 355 points in 327 games over five years uh he was a first overall draft pick in buffalo part of the uh french connection line in buffalo for number of years i believe right he was part of that wasn't he or was uh, he i think that's that? i think that's older he just had to happen to be another french person i mean yeah. uh ignore me but um although 80 although late 80s i don't know i don't think I so thought, but it could be i love me anyway um yeah it was him it was i was right you were wrong idiot <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh yeah it was him uh wait no now i'm very confused hold on Hold on. Oh, sorry to get this right. We got to get this right, <laughs> folks. We hold ourselves oh, no. to a high standard. You've Pierre Turgeon was just mentioned in an article about the French <laughs> Connection. I was wrong. You were right. The French Connection was Richard Martin, Rene Robert, and Gilbert, Gilbert Perrault. I can't speak. Um, so I'm just fucking stupid, and I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> he was the first overall pick for Buffalo, played there for... Um, played there for five years man what a wild time like i mean like imagine in the nhl someone gets traded five years after being the first overall pick i guess right. eric johnson was a, around that but like beyond him that doesn't happen much anymore um but yeah i mean obviously interesting i would have i would have bet money that he never made it i thought he really legitimately was the bubble guy that was I love Pierre Herjean, but like mm. arguably the bubble guy for the right reasons. Like 
He never stuck in one team very long. He had a lot of points, but they didn't get him much of anywhere. You know, he, he appeared in the postseason most years, but he didn't have many deep runs. Um, his deepest run was with us in 2000, 2001. He had 15 games and 15 points. Like, you know, point per game player almost in the playoffs, but obviously not winning cups or hardware. Wasn't even a, a you know, a consensus all-star kind of thing. Um so, you know, just sort of interesting that he uh, 40th in, in the NHL in career points thir- or in career goals, 30th, 34th in career points. So I think it just comes down to if you think hockey like baseball is one of those things where, oh, if you have 500 goals, if you have, let's say, 1,250, 1,300 oh, yeah. points like those, you should just be in, then he should be in. But like. If that's not your argument, then he doesn't have a, a very strong case. But I love Pierre Turgeon, one of my favorite players growing up. Uh, so definitely, I'm personally happy to see him go in, but I'm definitely a little surprised. Yeah, I was. I definitely didn't think it was going to happen until maybe they just had a really lean year. I don't know if yeah. they ever said it. And this is interesting because like, eh, they enough. definitely didn't have a lean year. You know? Oh, yeah, this but, is like, this is a feast, baby. Yeah. And then of course there's always any any time literally any forward goes in that's not like Sidney Crosby. There's always the Alexander McGillney argument. Hmm. Um, who, you know, broke the I almost said broke the color barrier, but <laughs> broke the in you know, way. became one of became one of the first USSR defectees, the first, one of the first, certainly, um, played almost a thousand NHL games, had a thousand thirty-two points, won a cup, two-time all-star. So he is definitely someone who, you know, obviously should be in not only for his playing career, but for his impact on the game and isn't. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of politics and stuff going into that. So, you know, I mean, I think Terjan, certainly you can't be like, what the hell? You know, this isn't Mm -hmm. one of those where you're like, what the fuck were they thinking? But like, it's just right on the borderline of like, huh? Oh, I'm surprised to see it happen. But I'm happy for him because he rocks. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he I'm glad he made it in. Uh, this is, yeah, like you said, the McGillney question. And then there's always like, I feel like the other ones that are always sitting out there, are like Jeremy Roenick and Keith Kachuk are always like two that get mentioned. And yeah, also, definitely. I'm trying to think who the other one is. There's somebody else that's always in there. Pat Verbeek, maybe? Uh-huh. Yeah, Pat Verbeek is one, I think. Um, I know there's a couple guys. There's that defenseman for... Um, for uh the stars whatever his name is um who people love i can't think of redeem verbata i believe um but uh yeah there's a lot of options but i'm i'm glad to see turjan make it me too these dogs are going ham they probably see a deer you appear sometimes. Apparently, they are pissed about Pierre Turgeon's involvement. That's right. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, Turgeon is in. Sorry, I'm, I'm distracted by Ian's dog and also by my brain being mush. Pierre Turgeon is in. Another name that went in, Mike Vernon, legendary goaltender for the Flames and uh, Red Wings primarily, although he actually played longer with the San Jose Sharks and the Florida Panthers. Uh, for well, the Florida Panthers were just a 34 game stretch. Vernon started his career in 
1982, 83 as a 19-year-old, really got started in uh, 85, 86 with Calgary. He was their 56th overall pick in the 1981 draft, uh, played his amateur hockey with the Calgary Wranglers as well. He was a two-time cup winner, one with Calgary on that uh, Al McKinnis team in 88, 89, Al McKinnis and others, but for the Blues, most significantly Al McKinnis, um, and then one with Detroit in um, the uh, 96-97 season, which is, you know, he was kind of there for one season, basically, and and or three seasons, and won them a cup in one of those seasons, so good work. Uh, he won a Jennings Trophy. He won the Conn Smythe in that 96-97 uh, performance when he had a uh, played 20 games, won 16 of them, obviously, because that's how many it takes. Uh, had a 927 save percentage and a 176 goals against average. So uh, I think this this man, a very obviously deserving candidate, but it is funny how, you know, some guys like, like Mike Vernon waits 20 years to get inducted and the mm-hmm. guy we'll talk about next, Henrik Lundqvist, waits like three years or whatever like whatever the minimum is i think so it's just mm. it's just funny how like like i listen henry Gwynquist is a hall of famer no doubt but like actually accomplished less arguably than mike vernon in some ways so like it's just funny how some guys get the hall of fame mantle like in their career and you just know they're going in and then other guys struggle but yeah mike vernon i'm not going to pretend i know a ton about him as a player a little bit before my time of really being a hardcore fan but obviously a very accomplished goalie with 782 games played which ranks let's see uh 21st among nhl goalies and um 16th in career wins and uh you know a very good overall player and two cups and a jennings and a con Smythe. your thoughts ian i'm not sure why he didn't get in earlier that's that's kind of what i'm confused about it seems like somebody that they'd put in fairly early i get like he's hadn't had didn't have any seasons that were like crazy i mean outside of the probably the jennings year and then you know he never had a vesna i think like the closest he ever got and here it was like well, he got second in uh 88-89 i mean sometimes i do sort of feel like some of that stuff should come into consideration like well they never won this thing but it's like did they come in like second and third a bunch like of years then it's like they're like a top three goalie mm-hmm. like multiple times in their career so yeah i mean they had a super long career at that like if you start playing in 82 granted he's you know playing very few games but and then you retire in 2002 i mean it's a 20-year career um that alone is like a goaltender should probably get you in the hall of fame. So I'm glad he's in too, but like you said, it's kind of funny to see that juxtaposed with Henry Lundquist who like retired two years ago, a year and a half ago, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, very short time ago. We'll talk about I'm here in a minute. I guess we can go ahead and move on to Henrik Lundqvist because I don't have a ton more to say about Mike Vernon. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist obviously started his career, obviously, I say, like everybody <laughs> does. In 2005-2006, he was the, this is always funny, the fourth finalist for the Calder Trophy, but the third finalist for the Vesna Trophy. Let's see what kind of bums he lost the Calder Trophy, or the Vesna Trophy to uh, Mika Kiprasov and Martin Brodeur. And the Calder Memorial Trophy that week, holy crap. Yeah, I'm sure it's nuts. <laughs> Alex Ovechkin first, Sidney Crosby second. Dion Phaneuf snuck ahead of, of Henry Conquest, oh. though. And then immediately behind him, Brad Boys, Merrick Svatos, 
Andre Mazarosh and Ryan Miller, uh, number eight, UC Yokin. And what a year. Jeff Carter. Wow. Brent Seabrook, Chris Kunitz, Ryan Sutter. Good God. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody knows about uh, old Hank's resume. Uh, not only is he the most handsome man walking the face of the earth, but he's the 2011-12 Vesna Trophy winner. He uh, was a um, all-rookie team member in 05-06, a two-time uh, end-of-season all-star, and one of the best all-purpose goalies of his generation. 887 games played, which is a staggering number for a goalie. 918 career save percentage, 243 career goals against average, a staggering 173.3 goalie point shares and 183.4 goals saved above average in his career. Also had the tendency to be a fantastic playoff performer despite his team's inability to win cups for example in 11 12 that Vesna trophy year he had a 931 shutout save percentage uh 182 goals against average and managed three shutouts and the uh rangers still managed to lose 10 of 20 games and get knocked out in the conference final 13 14 uh again 927 214 a 640 quality start percentage uh the f- goals saved above average, just a phenomenal career. Uh, About as good as it gets, he is uh, ninth all-time in games played by a goalie. He is uh, sixth all-time in wins and, um, you know, just a a phenomenally good goalie overall. He also faced the eighth most shots and made the eighth most saves. And I think this really does speak to that kind of like the the uh je ne sais quoi if you will <laughs> of of the hall of fame as a concept because henrik Lundqvist just had the aura on top of, i'm oh, yeah. not saying i'm not saying his his resume on its own doesn't deserve it but that was just a dude you knew you were watching someone truly great the way he carried himself obviously the way he looks my god um but the way he just identified as you know mr ranger like that he just was that guy uh i'm not that you're not that guy dude but he was that guy um phenomenal career clearly uh sensational numbers but also just a better ambassador for hockey and now of course he's just a phenomenal uh desk analyst on uh, TV, TBS or whichever one he's on because of course he can just do whatever he wants this is the kind of guy out. that has um, absolutely stellar incredible uh, you know just at everything and one of the things we forget when we talk about the Hockey Hall of Fame is it is a Hockey Hall of Fame it's not just an NHL Hall of Fame mm-hmm. so um, he also was you know the the face and identity of team Sweden for his entire career too, where he won. um, Let's just take a, take a little peek at his um, highlights in his career. He won a two-time GA 20 SM gold medalist. He was a one-time Olympic gold medalist. He was a one-time world championship gold medalist, two-time world champion, silver medalist, one-time Olympic silver medalist. You remember when the NHL used to go to the Olympics? Man, that's crazy. That was a fun time. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, he was a one-time SHL best goalie winner before he reached the NHL. He was a two-time SHL champion. He was a one-time SHL v- MVP. 
He was a one-time world championship all-star and he was a one-time Olympic all-star uh, on top of all the Vesna trophies and things we already mentioned. He was a sensational player for Finland or for Finland, for Sweden, a sensational player for the Rangers, um, a, uh, a giant shadow cast over his somewhat decent goalie of a younger brother and um, twin brother, right? Isn't he, aren't they twins? I think so, yeah, which is like um, insane. How can there be two of those? But in any case, <laughs> um, like yeah, can't I mean, be in the same room at the same time. It causes like a vortex, yeah, a vortex never, of hotness. <laughs> you've never heard anyone utter a bad word about Henrik Wallenquist. Like, I mean, I, what more do you say about him? You know, I know it's like on personality alone, on just like who he is for the game of hockey. I was like, you got to go in the Hall of Fame. We cannot. We cannot let you be forgotten about. You cannot be lost uh, yeah. to time. We must preserve you. They we need a bust. So they definitely need a bust. They like they have all these other pictures of like players and stuff. And like, yo, we we need the clothes you wore. We need like a lot. We need some uh, profile pictures. We need we're gonna have your whole little area of uh, the hockey hall of fame just adorned with model shots. Yeah, and that's all you need to know. I mean, he's a great analyst. He was great on TNT um, this spring. Like he did a lot of talking about how um, Bobrovsky looked and how he how he sort of recovered his game and salvaged it, and what he did different, and how he held his glove. And I I think it's great to hear from goalies talk about goalies because I feel like too often you get forwards or defensemen and they can kind of give you some insight because obviously they've they've played with those guys, but. I think it's always great to just hear from a goalie because they just have the, they can talk to you about the mental game and they can talk to you about the actual like ins and outs of um, just how they see things. Now they break apart like a play and what they're looking for. So it was really nice to have him there and I hope he keeps doing that. But I feel like with TNT, unless your name is uh, Biz, you're pretty much probably going to be flipping (laughs) in and out of there. I mean, you would think, you'd think with all the shit that, uh, biz does that he would also be in and out of that desk but i feel like he's mm. always he loves the cash he's like give me that cash and he had sweet oh, sweet yeah, cash gambling it away i'm sure as like those other dudes those other guys have been paid millions of dollars for yeah. countless years of their lives <laughs> paul Vincent was like dude for a while there i was making 40k 40k sleeping in motel six yeah he's he's a cool story too he's a hockey hall of famer uh, they, they do yeah. need to put people in the hall of fame for just like the impact they leave on a game and it doesn't have to be I like they had a builders category yeah <laughs> yeah but but you don't have to be like i guess you could put biz in there as a builder because he's like built like social media stuff yeah. around the game so but I guess like you is, go that is there a category for like doc emrick for example because right. he definitely should be oh, i'm sure he's a builder but you're not a builder you're just you know yeah. You're a guy. Can we just have you're a guy category? Yeah, they should. Um, another goalie that made the Hall of Fame, uh, a trio of goalies this year. Um, I guess they had some goalies they had to sweep off the registry uh, to mm-hmm. stop arguing over. Tom Barrasso, uh, a former Pittsburgh Penguin, Buffalo Sabre, a very short-lived St. Louis Blue, actually. So there are three St. Louis Blues on this list. Um, but Pittsburgh and Buffalo was where he played the extreme majority of his career games. 
over 700 of a 777 game career. That's a cool number. He burst onto the scene in Buffalo as a Calder Trophy and Vesna Trophy winner in his very first season, where he when he won 26 games, lost only 12, had an 893 save percentage extraordinary and a 285 goals against average with 22 goals saved above average uh i love the 80s man this this guy's the best goalie on earth he's got an 893 save percentage (laughs) um he's allowing only barely just under three goals per game what a what a time um the following season he followed that up by being a jennings trophy winner and a second which by the way the best goals against average in the nhl in 1984-85 when he was 19 years old uh just 267 he also had five shutouts this that year and was a vesna trophy winner he would move on to the pittsburgh penguins during the 1988-89 season where he would help them win back-to-back stanley cups in 90-91 and 91-92 uh he would be uh, extraordinary in both both playoffs, especially the first of those, uh, which he did not win a Conn Smythe Trophy for either of those because he played alongside Mario Lemieux. Um, but he uh, was a phenomenal impact on those teams. Two cups of Vesna, a Jennings, a Calder, a three-time All-Star uh, guy that lost, you know, arguably lost his touch later in his career, kind of bounced around uh, in his mid to later 30s. His final really good season was with Pittsburgh. He played 63 games in 97-98, had 31 wins, a 9.22 save percentage, 207 goals against average. Um the following season he started to dip a little bit and then he got traded to ottawa and then he went to carolina and then he went here he played uh, six games for the blues and lost four of them uh and had an 879 save percentage but he did have one shutout so he probably didn't lose that game um tom barrasso not a guy again that i uh, know a ton about but obviously the resume speaks for itself and um Goalies are tough, man, but if you win multiple cups as a goalie, I think that alone is a pretty strong argument for you being in the Hall of Fame. So, oh, yeah, I always think that too. And if you win like cups, if you're anybody and you win cups like multiple teams, yeah, especially as a goalie, too, um, that's like a big deal. If you, especially, I mean, if you're an impact player, you know, like Ivan Barbashev doesn't count. I love you, Ivan. Oh, my God. He's not it a Hall does, of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer. Well, no, he's not a Hall of Famer. It's important for his career. I'm just saying, like, you can't just write off, oh, he won cups with multiple teams. He's a Hall of Famer, you dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, great goalie, um, even better person, I'm sure. He might be a massive dick. I know very little about this guy. Um, but uh, any thoughts about I'm- Tom Barrasso? Honestly, I didn't. I'll be. I'll be quite honest. I didn't know he was a goalie until today. Like I, he's I just, knew it. He's just a name I've heard a bunch, um, but I don't. I didn't know that much about his career. Wow. But because I heard his name a bunch, I could have assumed he was good. Hockey Reference is sexist. It doesn't even have women on the site. Uh, we have also the um, the distinguished Caroline Willette. Uh, I may be butchering that name because it's French and that's a gibberish language, but she is <laughs> a four-time Olympic gold medalist, a six-time gold champion, gold medalist at the world championship, and a six-time silver medalist at the world championship, as well as a four-time CWHL champion and a one-time women's NCAA championship. She won that with 
the University of Minnesota Duluth, uh, where she was the captain in 2003-2004, and put up 76 points in 32 games, not to be outdone by herself. She put up 80 in 33 games the following season. She played uh, for a lot of teams in uh, professional women's hockey, most of them in Montreal, um, and she, of course, played a big role for Canada. She was the captain at the Olympic Games in 2013-14 when they, hold on a second, did win gold. Um, you know, she was a, a women, she was a gold medal winner, what did we say, 10 times overall between the Olympics and world championships, including a fuller-time gold medal winner. Um very, very much deserving, uh, very impressive career. And um, again, don't have a lot more to add. Ian? Ben Ian doesn't Charles. speak about women's hockey. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> lower himself. Too long. Oh, no. He doesn't lower himself oh, to do that. No. That's not true. That's not true, Paul. That's not true, Paul. <laughs> uh, we have Pierre Lacroix. Uh, who was a uh, manager primarily for the Quebec Nordiques and the Colorado Avalanche. He uh, created that Colorado Avalanche Cup winning teams in 96 and 2001. Uh, and he passed away in 2020. Was that a COVID death? You have to wonder. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, we did choose to be talking about this. That's right. Uh, yes, died from complications of COVID-19. <laughs> like, yes. Don't be a denialist. Oh, no. Don't be oh, a denialist. No. It's uh, real. Oh, no, Why folks. did I say that so confidently? You said yes. <laughs> you were so happy. God damn it. I'm sorry, Pierre Lacroix and family. Uh, Former NHL player player Eric Lacroix is your son. He's the studio analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights. Wow, what a small world. So in a way, he just won a Stanley Cup. Uh, But yeah, I mean, uh, two-time cup winning GM. You get my vote. Great job. Good job, buddy. Uh, Doug Armstrong will be in the Hall of Fame. That son of a bitch. We're doing what? Yeah, ain't done shit. Uh, and finally, we've been putting him off. Uh, the man who is inducted as a builder uh, for building a building a whole stack of cheeseburgers and gobbled them right <laughs> up. It's it's our very own Ken Hatchcock, uh, a worthy inductee, I would say, into the Hall of Fame. One-time Stanley Cup winner, uh, 1,598 games, which I think is third all-time NHL all-time games coached. Um, He's up there, baby. He's way up there. Fourth behind Barry Trotz, behind Joel Quinville, behind Scotty Bowman, all of whom are obvious. Obviously, also going to be future... what the fuck am I trying to say? Future <laughs> Hall of Famers, if they aren't already. Uh, Quinville, we'll talk about later on. Do you have that in the notes? You should have that in the notes. I should correct myself. Ken Hitchcock is actually uh, seventh on the all-times game coach wins list. He's fourth in wins, which says something about his career. Paul Maurice creeping up there. Might catch Scotty Bowman in games coached. I don't know about wins. That's going to take some doing still, but games coached, you could, you know, just has to coach like four, three or four more seasons. And why wouldn't he? He's youngish. Uh, he's got the Panthers now. I would do it, man. If I was that guy, I'd be like, yeah, hell yeah. I'm going for that record. Stop oh, talking. Yeah. Paul Maurice is going to walk up to a podium and be like, stop talking about Alex Ovechkin and start talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, he gave some comments. I think I mentioned this, but he gave some comments at the end in like a post game interview after game six or game five or whichever one they got drilled out on. And I was touched. He really, he made me a Flyers fan. So good for Paul Maurice, I say. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Hitchcock, I'm not going to go into individual accomplishments as a uh, NHL coach. He won a Stanley Cup with Dallas. He obviously had a huge impact here. I think I think the more further removed we are from his tenure year here, the more impressive uh, it seems. He went, um, what is this? Like, uh, let's see if I can break out his coaching. Uh, Blues head coaches. Um, he had he had just a preposterous record here. It oh, yeah. was. I, I think it was he, first in points. like Or yeah. first in points. Um and like between or like sorry over the years that he coached here against yeah. other like coaches of that time 248 wins uh, yeah. and 124 losses and 41 uh overtime losses. he basically had a two to one win to loss ratio or two to one win certainly a two to one result to non-resolve ratio a 650 winning percentage Again, that's the bullshit NHL winning percentage, but still yeah. um, uh, won the Jack Adams here in 2011-12. In um, made Brian, tra- transformed Brian Elliott from a scrap heap goalie to one of the best goalies in the NHL. Uh, he won the Vesna Trophy, uh, or not the Vesna Trophy, the uh, Jack Adams Award once. Um, he's one of only three players, three coaches to win the award as an in-season replacement, along with Bill Barber and Bruce Boudreau. Um, That's kind of surprising. You know, a very big personality, one of the guys that everybody has a, an opinion on and has a story about if they ever played for him. Uh, you didn't get the puck in good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, you old bag of shit. That was a that was a spit and chickwood story about uh, Alex Steen. <laughs> Uh, and Ken Hitchcock, but or no, Ryan Reeves. It was Ryan Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> and then he talks about Mike Yo coming over to him and being like, "Bro, I don't think you should." Like, I get it; he's a pain in yeah. the ass, but I don't know about all that. <laughs> I do like. I mean, his. I was trying to explain him to my wife, and yeah, that's pretty much what I said. I was like, "There's like two kinds of coaches. There's like the players' coach, where they're like, hey man, I'm your buddy. We're gonna we're gonna have some fun, and we're gonna teach each other some lessons.' Then there's like." the hard ass coach is just like a complete dick bag and she's like why why do they have those <laughs> like that sounds bad and i was like oh uh-huh. because the team gels together in a giant like 23 man attempt to fucking just hate on this guy <laughs> <laughs> and it, it binds the team yeah. and they know it binds the team and the team knows that this is what they're doing but they still hate them um i mean yeah david back was talking about how you know after retirement where he was just talking about how he was the mouthpiece from Hitchcock to the players and kind of was the buffer between them and like how he pretty much would just be like, yeah, guys, Hitch wants us to blah, blah, I know, it's fucking stupid. Let's just go out there and show <laughs> this old bag that we can still play hockey. And they're like, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you needed, you need that. Because I think with someone like Hitch or Babcock or whoever, if you don't have like a little bit of a barrier between them and the players, it's like, it's just too rough. I mean, yeah, Steen yelling at them freaking uh Tarasenko issues with Hitchcock and stuff and but all that aside or you know with all that came a lot of success mm-hmm. um they, he is one of those coaches I guess like any NHL coach really that just runs out of time you know runs their course and everything so 
at the time when they let him go it was honestly letting him go the bigger problem with that was just the fact that mike you <laughs> was the coach mike waiting Yo! behind him uh, more yeah. than anything but yeah like he he pretty much ushered this team from rebuild into contender i mean i know mm-hmm. they only made it to the third round with him they lost in six games in san jose and everything but like that's still a huge leap from this team not making the playoffs year after year or being freaking wiped out by the Kings. Um, I know that was him still here, but like they just, they rose to prominence and they became a team that you had to like look out for not just like a bubble team. And that's, that's a huge deal. I mean, even Mike Yo wasn't able to destroy that. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think hard as uh, he tried. That's right. I think he was an integral part of the Blues eventually winning a cup. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely was. And um, I think we dwell to remember that and think about the good times. Also think about that hat he wore at the um, World World uh, Winter Classic, because that oh, yeah. would not be funny. Um, but yeah, so a good group that This year, I think some years you're like, eh, I don't know. Unquist is arguably the star of the group, but not a lot of like huge name guys, but definitely guys it's hard to argue aren't deserving. Right. Um, Adam Gaudet signed a one year, two way deal with the St. Louis Blues. He came back as part of the Ryan O'Reilly trade. I have nothing more to say. Ian wanted me to I'm scrambling. I'm scrambling for my butt. Sorry. sorry. Um, he is a player yeah i don't know people were like oh this is a good value and blah blah i'm like we don't have you don't got bro, say words about everything bro it ain't a word it, yeah you ain't got it you ain't like you know you don't have an opinion <laughs> 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 i mean all respect to him i hope he makes it uh, huge i i do love that i do love like the i hope he's thing. the next matt d'agostini of this team yeah you know? get a 20 goal season in there yeah. Have have yourself have yourself a season, Adam Good. Yeah. Have yourself a merry little season. <laughs> He's the sort of person that'll come in and look, oh God. I can I'm already the blues haven't even started playing. I'm already over this season. Um Okay. He's the kind of guy that comes in an injury relief and plays kind of okay on the first uh-huh. line, is like platooned out there, and people are like, hey, and then I don't know if it comes back. Powell Bushnevich comes back from injury, they put him back up there, and they're like I don't know if I'd move Adam God that like he's looked pretty good up there. And it's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, that, is a, that is a stupid opinion. That is stupid. Is there really, he's, is there even room to bring Pavel Vucic? Yeah, they're back? like, I just wouldn't mess with who was the it? They said that about Robert Thomas. Luke Korak said that. Oh, about yeah. Robert fucking Thomas. And not as a rookie. This was like last year, like the year before last or something. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. They're rolling four lines deep. I don't know where Robert Thomas even fits. Uh on the top line. Oh, who was him. that? No, it wasn't Quarak. Who was that? Um Carriker. Was it not Quarak? Oh, it's Carriker. God yeah. fucking Carriker. Yeah, he's like, I just that, don't know about that. I'm like that dude. guy bites. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why does that see? feel like a 90s thing? You that bite. <laughs> you bite. It does. He's stuck in the 90s, though. So that makes sense. That's true. Uh, that dude had a take about Cardinals fans that were just, ugh, I just hate him. Go ahead, he go talked, ahead. he talked about like, uh, oh, well, Cardinals fans, uh, after 20 years of winning ways are now upset about a, a 40, a 12 and 49 record. They're pretty entitled. It was a little less 
dramatic than that, but basically was trying to make the case that like, oh, because the Cardinals have been so successful that fans have gotten spoiled and entitled. And it's like, bro, ain't our fault that they suck. You know, oh, yeah. like you go, it's like, don't tell me that they don't suck. Don't act like we're five games out of first place and just bitching and moaning. Like it's the end of the world. They fucking suck. They it's also different suck. too. If you're having like a down, you're having some random ass down year and it's because of injuries. And, but there's like, everything else is looking up, but just something weird's going on. It's like, come uh-huh. on, we don't complain. We don't need all these trades, yada, yada. But no, it's like, yeah, like you said, they just suck. And they haven't been good for a long time. And like, I don't understand the whole like yeah, entitled thing where it's like, hey, we want a better team. We want the team to be better. And it's like, wow, pretty entitled of you. And it's like, what? <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> like, okay, I guess, I guess I'll just like nod my head while we keep losing. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, if you're the Detroit Red Wings and you win like, three cups in seven years and then you're like man this team blows ass it's like okay well that's that's true but we don't need to be better now but a lot of success sort of thing the the blackhawks in 2016 or whatever but oh yeah yeah, but it's been since 2011 which i get isn't that long compared to other teams that uh the cardinals have won a world series and i feel like from my from my very um casual observation that's been like shit i don't know five six years that they've been like even like good Uh or like been like enjoyable and like oh they can make some noise in the playoffs sort of thing so it's like yeah i don't know where the entitlement comes from it's like they're pointing at like you have 11 world series wins it's like yeah dude (laughs) and one of them was over a decade (laughs) ago and the other ones are like you know freaking 2006 80s freaking six i love that shit too i mean it's you are kind of the the Maple Leafs. You can't be a Maple Leafs fan. Be like, think of all the think of the fifteen cups we've had, and it's like, no, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> no, that doesn't. <laughs> I won't. Doesn't I matter. Yeah, that's cool and a fun historic like sense when you like reading a book about the team, but it's not cool when it's like a fan like, oh, we got more cups or whatever. It's like, yeah, dude. And when were they from? <laughs> were you yeah. born yet? Um, God, that's frustrating. I don't know. I'm just like entitled to be like I'm. I don't know. That's an old. That's an old person term. I feel like that's one of those like these kids today. These so kids entitled. today that want their baseball team to yeah. win. How dare they? Uh, yeah, you're right. And like, I don't use them even usually like doing the oh, that's such a boomer take. But that's a boomer take, my dear. Mm. Like this is a world where your attention is precious and everything is demanding it. And I don't have the time to deal with a twenty and forty eight team or whatever mm. the hell they are. You know, like and. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go on this tangent, but they were fucking mismanaged. It's not like this came out of the blue. It's not like there were 10 catastrophic injuries. And it's mm. just like, who could have seen this coming? Like who could have seen the Cardinals crushing lack of starting pitching and need for an everyday shortstop coming, except for literally anyone that talked about this team over the summer, except the uh, over the winter, except the front office, apparently like literally yeah. every person that's who saw it coming. We all did all of us. So What's the excuse? You ain't got one. And that's what bothers me is it's the front office that's entitled. Sorry to cut you off, but it's the front office to me that has gotten lazy and complacent and just thinks winning is a given. And now fans are pissed that it's not happening because that's the standard they set. And they're just throwing up their hands like, I don't know. What do you want me to do? How am I supposed to make the team? Yeah, you can't talk out of both 
ends of your mouth there when like teams are always like we you know you're the philadelphia flyers you're the cardinals or whatever and you get to put out little statements like you know this is not how we play this is not how yeah. we do things this is the cardinal way and blah 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 and i'm like yeah but you suck ass yeah so like <laughs> Like, I believe you that this isn't the cardinal way and all this other stuff, but then that makes me feel like you need to get back to that. And then when you don't, you can't be like, well, we can't, have, you know, we just, right. you can't always have a successful year. And it's like, sure, <laughs> I get that. But like, you can't be like trumpeting about your culture and your, your winning attitude and then suck ass. Like you can't have, you can't, <laughs> you can't have both. <laughs> like you can just constantly all season be like, we got to get back. We got to get back. And as annoying as that would be, at least like I feel like you're addressing it or you're addressing the fact that you stink and like addressing what we all see but you can't be like yeah this is our culture but also if you hold us to this cultural standard we're like oh now come on you guys (laughs) (laughs) and that's exactly like to the point about entitlement like baseball heaven the cardinal way those are their marketing terms we didn't come up with those those are their ideas you know so if you want to talk about that that's fine talk about it use it whatever but like you got to live up to that then you set the standard you treat everyone everyone treats this franchise like it is special and it Mm -hmm. is different and yeah isn't that good don't you want that like that then when they lose it's like yeah exactly and then when they lose it's like well you can't treat this team like it's special or different and i'm like huh yeah i'm like do you want i guess it's slightly different so i know that that it's not quite how I'll portray it, but it's like, do you want people to be like A's fans? Do you want them to just be like, I don't give a fuck, you know, like then, then you move or you do whatever, like, or I don't know, some other shitty team, Marlins fans or whatever. It's just like, we don't give, you know, it's, yeah, we're just here for whatever. Like you want a fan base that cares a lot. Like maybe you don't necessarily say as like a GM that might be on the hot seat or, or a manager or something like that. But like uh-huh. as a franchise owner or like as just someone in the front office in general, like you want fans to give a shit. Cause I don't know, yeah. that's, that's, that's a fan base that's going to buy more stuff going to go to more games, everything. They're just that much more engaged. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like why whine about that? I feel like that's, that's a radio DJ that gets like too many like calls from South <laughs> County and they're just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally right. 100% right. And we talk from Perryville and I've been thinking. Of hang up, hang it up, hang it up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. I don't want a single 314 caller today. Not all day. <laughs> hey, they ever put in that new uh, area code out there? Is there a new area code? Not it's that supposed I know. to be. I thought that was supposed to be. Oh, Maybe come on. Give me one. one. I hope it's I'm probably for it. like St. Charles County, baby. Mwah, mwah. Yeah, probably. probably. I believe that they get out That's, of the 636. Those, That's right. Fucking those leave. whites are flighting out there after all. <laughs> new, uh, new St. Louis area code. The hottest <laughs> new St. Louis area code is 666. <laughs> uh, Spicer. What a new a new five five seven area code is coming to the three one four area code region. So they're doing it in three one four. Um, let's see. Serves three one four area code serves me such as but not limited to St. Louis, Overland Bridge, and Florissant, Webster, Groves, Creekport, Kirkwood, and Sappington. Uh, okay, that's great. But where's five? Where's five five seven going? I don't know. Uh, they did something. Missouri Public Service Commission originally adopted an overlay. Oh, God. Okay. I don't care about that. Um, yeah, that's too much. No, no, no. This is just enough. Something, all I've seen here is 2022. And I don't know. 
I don't know anyone with a five five seven. You're gonna hit. You're gonna hear about it one day, though, and you're gonna think about this. You know what? I hope five five seven becomes like just eats up three hundred four. And you know why? Selfishly, very extremely selfishly, um, I was married on March fourteenth, uh, which is three one four day, which is Pi Day, and all the other stuff. And it's great. And no one but me and my wife give a shit. Like I get that, but like whenever, I care. Oh, I care. You. I was there. You were there. Man. You had pie at we the wedding. Pie there. I got like one yeah. bite. It's my only that's regret. Right. I didn't eat more pie. Did um, you eat anything? I, that's all what I hear about weddings all the time. People don't eat. I had time, but I'm notoriously bad. Like if there's people over, we're hosting something. Uh-huh. I've been pointed out that I like am the last person to finish because I'm like talking to people on yada yada and yeah. stuff. And Big so, extrovert Ian Peters yeah. over here. Big. For some reason, when there's people <laughs> over, I, I am. But yeah, otherwise, you know, dude, if you're in me. my territory, I am that way. Like, if you come to me, then I'm yeah. I'm the most personal personable person on earth. If I had to go to you, don't even try. Oh, yeah, so I mean, if there's less people I know, I'm like, thank God for food. I'm gonna shove this in my mouth. Yeah. Like, what do you rom, want rom, me to rom, do? Dickens <laughs> been eating for three hours. <laughs> He's literally shotgunning funnel cakes over <laughs> by kitchen sink and has been since six o'clock. Um, oh, God, I want some funnel cake. Yeah. Well, oh, but Ian, anyways, get rid of three and four day. I want it for, for myself. That's right. It should be the Ian and Arlene wedding anniversary day. Um, right. But Ian, uh, the 557 area code, as far as I'm uh, concerned, should be shoved under the rug. But some things shouldn't be shoved under the rug. And that includes sexual assault. Uh, <laughs> I stopped. I would like to point out that I stopped laughing. <laughs> you laughed, but you started laughing. Uh, but no, Joel Quinville coming back to the NHL. Fuck everybody. I don't. I'm just. You know what, Ian? I'm going to do it. Somebody needs to stand up and say, "You know what? No, this is wrong." John Tortorella. The voice of God, the 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 lips of an angel. This is oh, I could go, I could go. You could wind me up, and I could just go for twenty minutes. But we still got to go at least fifty minutes on the Titans. So I'm gonna try and make this (laughs) short and sweet. Joel Quinville coming back to the NHL is so predictable and so unnecessary, and it's just it's I really like. I don't even want to talk about political stuff like but cancel culture like that sounds like bad news to me but some people fuck up and they deserve to just not work in the NHL again they just I'm not canceling Joel Quinville I'm not harassing him at home he just doesn't get to have one of these 32 jobs Mm -hmm. you know what and he's also 68 probably so why does he need one he he's made all his money he's won all his cups he's gonna be a hall of famer probably just just stay home man (laughs) And don't, he's 64 years old. If he's 65 by the start of the next season, just don't, just don't. You really need to come back to coach. I don't fucking know the, uh, name a team, Ian, the Detroit Red Wings. That's what you need to do. The, uh, 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 uh. (laughs) like, who's he going to coach? Why is he coming back? Why is Stan Bowman back? Why would you want Stan Bowman back? Joel Quinville, listen, I, I hate to be pragmatic about something like this Joel Quinville I at least get dude's one of the greatest coaches maybe the greatest coach of all time I get it he's Mm. fantastic Stan Bowman fucking sucks he eats (laughs) he bites that guy bites bite. (laughs) he can bite (laughs) that's right he can hit uh and again like this it's just like this 
they covered up sexual assaults and the people involved the organization everyone's moved on like 18 months after the story came out and everybody's got a fresh slate and they're just fine the blackhawks get the first overall pick the best first overall pick since Connor mcdavid joel quinville is going to get another job in the nhl stan bowman's going to get another job in the nhl rocky words had to pay two million dollars he had to pay like less than Jacob Rana's adjusted salary. And that's, and it all went away. That's all that ever had to happen. That's all the punishment they got. They're not going to suffer in, in court. They're not going to suffer in civil court. They'll get out of that because they can afford better lawyers than Kyle beach. And it all, the world sucks sometimes. I didn't mean to get like this dark about it, but like people, there should be people, people should get justice and, and people shouldn't, have jobs in the nhl that do god awful things and i'm sorry i and listen i know we've i know we've joked about i know we've joked about the john tortorella thing here but the dude was a hundred percent right how could no one in that group literally just stand up and say no this is literally wrong like this is wrong on a moral fundamental level and i'm not going to stand by and tolerate an equipment coach getting away with this and again like i'm not again not to be pragmatic but it's like if joel quinville did the thing during the playoff run and the organization was like well we can't i mean that's our head coach and we're four wins Mm -hmm. away from the stanley cup at least i'd sort of get that like i would still think it was awful but i'd be like okay i get why you couldn't throw this guy out in that moment, you know, but why mm. couldn't you throw this guy onto the street? And then you gave him a recommendation to get rid yeah, of that's him the worst. to a school, to a fucking school. Oh my God. I just, Oh, I just literally can't. So those are my thoughts. What are yours? Yeah. It's just icky. I mean, like you said, Quimville, there's no, he's a great coach and everything, but there's no reason for him to be in this league anymore. I think to your point too about like cancel culture and all that, like he's, yeah, like you said, we just, he doesn't get a, one of these 32 jobs. He's had a like full career. He's got three cups. Um, people are, are already trying to forget what went on with him. So Lord knows in however many years people will have entirely forgotten and he can live his life as normal, like as normal as he is right now, like everything's fine. Like you just don't need to coach anymore and there's plenty of other there's plenty of other uh people that are capable of coaching an nhl team whether they're in the league currently or they're a retread waiting to get hired or they are someone who's brand new i mean the likelihood of that happening of course is very low in the nhl but there's plenty of people that have nhl coaching talent on this planet and therefore you don't need to be like man joel quinville could could be in here and like even with florida he did fine i mean i think the vast majority of that season was coached by friggin uh, what's his face anyways oh, the like, huge majority yeah yeah and they did great with him so it's like i don't know quinville did okay i mean he did great with with chicago and then when chicago's roster started to age like he did fine and then he got like oh so i don't know it's just one of those things it's like yeah he's a great coach he's won three cups with that particular roster like do you really think we're gonna bring him in and he's going to be exactly what we needed. And it's a dumb question for me to ask because, of course, it's what they think because it's what they fucking do with everybody. Like, 
freaking Laviolette has a job in New York because mm -hmm. he won a cup in 2006. <laughs> like, yep. Won a cup over two decades ago and what is considered probably a totally different sport uh, play style and rule wise. Yeah, that's the wildest part about it. Like the game has evolved so much yeah. and it's just like, well, he's done it before. So yeah, like I get it's not the same as a player because you age out, but it's like, if Cam Ward was still able to play, it'd be like, well, he's won a cup though. So we should probably, you know, we should probably give him a job. It's like, no, bro. <laughs> like, Isn't it kind of the same as a player though? Like how many people win cups 20 years apart? Yeah, Not right? that many. Yeah, yeah for real. Like, I'm trying to think like, and they're like, well, uh, he's, he's still got it. And I don't know. It's just sort of, it's just dumb. I don't quite understand that. It's, it's teams really, honestly, it's just teams being stupid. Like, no creativity whatsoever and like how to get their team over a hump and and be creative with like who you have within your your team that you could promote who's out there who you could get from overseas who you get from the ahl college like there's so many avenues but i think sometimes teams are just like well i mean we don't do a lot of research and that would also be like a really a really big swing for us so how about we just get joel quimbill because people know that name and we know that guy and what else do we got to do? Like, there's nothing we really got to do. We Everybody knows Joe Quinville. It's like, done, job done. <laughs> now we just got to talk to Gary. And like, that really rests on Gary. Where I'm like, dude, I know that you suck as a person, but please, for the <laughs> love of God, just don't suck for like 30 minutes in a boardroom and be like, you know what? No. You, Gary, <laughs> you're going to retire soon. That's you right. almost did it. You didn't quite, right. but you almost did it. You know what? No. <laughs> This is wrong. They need to bring in John Torrell. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you, Joel, but I do have a friend here that's going to tell you. <laughs> that, um, would be, that would be the greatest moment. Hey, Joel. I like the like good friends. Hey, Joel. Would hey. they also bring Greg Wyshynski in to be like... Yeah, to just solemnly <laughs> nod. I look like With this a 10-year-old... Black just, face. Yeah, I look like big. I honestly just look like big. <laughs> I am big. Um it's you don't need to do it but i know it's going to happen and it's going to be so it's going oh god it's like it's just going to be so annoying it's going to be so rage inducing and like you said if it's joel quimble at least that makes like the tiniest most semblance of sense because he's a good coach but like yeah there's no reason stan bowman needs to he's just he's just nepo baby he's just a nepo baby that's all he is, baby. He's like the OG Nepo baby. And listen, I'd be a Nepo baby if I could too. I don't care right. for that. That's fine. He's not a bad person. Well, he is a bad person for the other thing, but not for that. I don't blame Brad Trilliving from trying to get under out underneath that Boston pizza <laughs> shadow. Pizza 76 shadow. Oh, yeah, yeah. you're right. It's Boston. Ooh, ugh, checked in on the St. Louis City oh, score. Yeah. Didn't like that. Didn't enjoy mm -hmm. that. When you don't have your DPs, uh you get peed on you know you just flip it around you wow. get peed all on. right moving on <laughs> moving on hey i've had bad transitions too we all have moments we all have <laughs> we all have moments we'd like to forget let's talk about the blues draft they have the 10th pick they have the 25th and 27th pick 29th i think 25th and 29th or 27th yeah. and 29th oh 25 29 uh and they will draft but not for long 10. that's right they will draft at number 10 presumably uh who was it that had those comments uh was it luke koerak this week yeah. that said basically they'll draft there or they'll try to trade up um the only basically said the only way they won't draft at number 10 is if they trade up yeah um 
couple of guys who the Blues could take at number 10 from various outlets. Sam Cosentino of Sportsnet says Samuel Honzek of the Vancouver Giants, his game and personality screen pro skill set will allow him to flourish in a cycle system or with a team that excels off the rush. Neither of which are us. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, we don't excel at fucking anything. That's right. Uh, the hockey news, Tony Ferrari. Uh, it might be a nice car, but a terrible pick it has us taking Dmitry Simashev, a left-handed defenseman out of Yaroslavl in the KHL. But don't give me a big, boring defenseman for number no, 10. Give on. me that for the other two picks. Simashev is one of the most interesting prospects in the draft, solely because the more you watch him, the more you ask yourself why the production hasn't come along. He don't want to draft him, then. He's an excellent skater, physical force, deft, deft puck handler, crisp passer, and an intelligent defender with a booming shot. Jesus, is this Nicholas no Lindstrom? Simashev could easily be the best defender in the draft class if he can pull his package all together. Don't Uh-oh, like why that. is his package don't falling like apart? such a young age when surrounded by talent that is better there have been a number of times when Semeshev makes a pass down the wall and then bursts into the slot with speed but doesn't receive the return pass idiot he has set up (laughs) players up in high danger areas around the net just for them to shank their shot wide Semeshev has plenty of unrealized (laughs) offensive potential I like like that this guy seems to think it's a conspiracy (laughs) is this this his dad yeah (laughs) that said he is a scout stout and tactical defender who uses his size well and turns plays around very efficiently. His floor is high, but his ceiling is fascinating. Wow. Um, <laughs> the ceiling is fascinating. It's very low, but it's fascinating. Yeah. Scott Wheeler had us drafting, uh, or does this had us drafting or put at 10th? His, was it a mock draft or was it just a ranking? As one of um, these were, I think these were all just rankings. Okay. Um, Scott Wheeler has uh, Matthew Wood at number 10. He's a Yukon right wing, six foot four. One of my favorites in the 2005 age group, the youngest player in college hockey this season, stepped right into the game to become an impactful player and eventually the leading scorer on a good Yukon team. A lot of points, a lot of stuff. Wood is a rangy goal scoring forward. He has silky hands for his size. Considering the long stick he uses, he's got superb control. Tage Thompson, anyone? Um, <laughs> on the toe of his blade, out wide in the heel and tight to his feet. This would be a very Tage thompson pick. And we picked Tage Thompson, so we'd know. A marksman shot inside the offensive zone and a sixth sense for arriving around the net slot at the right time. This dude's Tage Thompson. Yes, <laughs> uh, He protects the puck so, so well and does a good job holding on to pucks for that extra second required to walk into his spots. Uh, he's got quick hands on a one-on-one. He drops back into his shooting stance effortlessly. And he's got a beautiful curl and drag toe motion. Curl and drag motion. He also has quite noticeably gotten quicker from a standstill and worked to up his top work rate. Though he still needs to get a little quicker from a standstill. What? Uh, though he still that he just said the same thing. Though he still needs to get even more quicker from a standstill. Even more. His skating quicker. isn't an issue for me on the whole. And when he keeps his feet moving in puck protection, he draws a ton of penalties. Better suited as a playmaker and a finisher than a power forward type, but he has become sneaky competitive. I love the way he shall- slows down the game, adjusts and maneuvers his frame and shades pucks. Mix in a multi-dimensional shooting arsenal, and I see top six upside. Ooh, that's know, not yeah. all that. Top six upside isn't like all that impressive for uh, a number 10 pick, but yeah, you know, I'll take it. Uh, Craig Button, 
compares Wood to Tage Thompson. He's a big, <laughs> strong wing, right winger who can score, maybe won't carry the puck like Thompson does right now, but when he gets in and around the net, he knows how to score. Patience, poise, the length, the reach. I think Matthew Wood has so much upside once his body comes together. <laughs> Why do people, people do not evaluate how they talk as scouts. He just needs his body to come <laughs> Oh, together. I love that boy's body. His, he just needs to put his package together. I do always like when they're like, he might be a kid, but he's got the body of a man. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. Uh-huh. okay. Yeah, I don't like that. Cool your jimmies. Who do you want the Blues to pick at number 10, Ian? Let's <sighs> let's first say that they stay at number 10. Let's assume yeah. that. Who do you want them to take? I mean, I've I've been I've been turned on to Matthew Wood here. Um I would I would take that. I mean listen, we all want dollar bill divorce, but it's yeah. probably not happening. Yeah, divorce I would want for sure. I pulled up real quick the NHL mock draft. This Kimmelman guy has us picking Dalbor Dvorsky at 10th. Says Dvorsky has size and skill to play in the middle, but he also could find a home on the wing. Wherever he ends up, the Blues will be happy to have him. Dvorsky is a high IQ player with a really good shot that doesn't need much room to get it off. Um, Morial has the Blues picking uh, Braden Yeager of Moose John. WHL said St. Louis needs depth down the middle with Yeager, 5'11", 166, improved his playmaking to complement a powerful shot this season, you're responsible in all three zones, effective on face-off. Sounds, sounds Robert Thomasy, I guess. Um, but yeah, I would like Dvorsky. I think that's a fun player. I'm looking through some of these where they think some of these the, folks are going to The Athletic go. had us picking Tom Willander. The yeah. Blues have a pressing need for centers and defensemen, but defense is arguably even more pressing. Would be ideal if the board lined up like this and they took Willander. If not, they can pivot to someone like Nate Danielson, presuming he doesn't go ahead. If both Willander and Danielson go before Tim, which isn't unrealistic, it would put them in an interesting bind where most of the best available players are wings. Where was that? I was trying to find? Oh, some people said that um, Leonard, Ryan Leonard, I saw in a few different things like dropping or maybe not dropping, but they had him at like 10, 9, 10, 11. And I thought that was a pretty interesting pick uh, from Kimmelman. He said Leonard's play, uh, Leonard's play got better as the season went on. He was outstanding in the World U18, scored eight goals in seven games, including the overtime winner in the gold medal game. But more than the skill, Leonard plays a feisty game reminiscent of Matthew Kachuk of the Florida Panthers. He's committed to Boston College next year with a solid season of development. He could join uh blah 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 oh i see this is if there's a coyotes pick they're saying like the next year after this year i did read some ryan leonard stuff a lot of people saying he's matthew kachuk light and i feel like that probably makes it so he's gonna go um Mm -hmm. before we can get him because matthew kachuk is on everyone's mind and then people are gonna say give me that guy i need that guy um but i like i said i did see him on some rankings as like 9 10 11 so i wouldn't mind that pick either uh, obviously, Matthew Chuck being a pretty cool player. I wanted to see where did they have it? Nate Danielson. Do we ever talk about this dude? Was he earlier? No, that was Dmitry no. Simashev. Um, Nate Danielson, who the athletic has going right behind us. I see. Is this dude? He's a winger, right? Where's he? A center. Uh, center. center. Oh, yeah. With three picks this around St. Louis. The Brandon Wheat Kings of Brandon. Oh, yeah. The Blues have just one center among their top 10 prospects, ranked number seven among North American skaters in NHL Central Scouting and sixth best center in this year's draft class. By NHL.com's Michael G. Morial, the 18-year-old would be a fine addition to the ranks. Captain of the Wheat Kings, Danielson was 
their leading scorer this season with 33 goals and 78 points. Uh, he's six foot, 286 pound center, a dynamic skater with good speed who can play in all situations. Having traded away Ryan O'Reilly, landing a promising two-way center with good size and leadership ability could be quite attractive for the Blues. Danielson could one day be skating on their top two lines if he develops as projected. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting because I feel like the first three picks, I mean, the first pick's obviously set. It seems like there's a little debate about who will go two, maybe a little debate on who will go three. And then I feel like the, as Merrick said on 32 Thoughts, the draft really starts at four and five where it's like, okay, now you can kind of get a couple of different people depending on what these teams value more because everyone sort of falls into this sort of tier two, probably even tier three, because you'd probably assume that um, Bedard's tier one, Fantilli Carlson, maybe Mitch Kov are like tier two, and then there's a big like 12, 13, 14 players that are like tier three after that, mm. um, which is still pretty cool. I mean, that's a lot of players. I I do wonder how this will shake out. Like, what do you see? What do you think happens after the Blackhawks take Bedard? Do you think Anaheim just defaults and takes Fantilli? It seemed like on 32 Thoughts that some, of course, some random person, you know, some random insider talked to Elliot and said, you got to watch out for, um, oh God, what's their, what's their, their GM name? No, uh, Anaheim. Alvin. No, that's not Alvin. That's oh, Vancouver. Ken, uh, Ken, Ken Hughes? Ken Hughes? Uh, no, that's Montreal. Who the fuck is? It's like uh, a duck. It's a duck name. Cause he's, cause he's with the ducks. Pat Verbeek. Verbeek. God, <laughs> fuck damn it. Um, yeah, beak. Pat Verbeek. It's like a beak. Like a beak. <laughs> I know. Uh, but they have a bill. Oh, is that a beak? I mean, it is. But they, they call do, it yeah. whatever. whatever. Um, he basically said that Pat Verbeek is close with Steve Eiserman, and Steve Eiserman <laughs> Pat, makes. He basically said Pat Verbeek's fucking crazy. <laughs> kind of. He was like, Steve Eiserman makes crazy moves, and so could Pat Verbeek. And he said, Do they think maybe it's possible that they take Mitch Kov at two? Their rationale being that Mishkov might not come over here for another like two, maybe even three years, and that Anaheim's not going to be good for another two, maybe three years. And they're like they can they can afford to wait. Um, I mean, Mishkov is going to be your Tarasenko, your um, Kirill Kaprizov, where you're, you're unless you're really plugged into hockey, you're just going to forget that he exists and then he's going to appear on whatever team he's on and he's going to light it up. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, who is this again? And it's like, Oh yeah, I forgot about you. I mean, it's even trickier now. I forgot about you, Russia, but cause you won't play in the NHL till you're 20. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think she feels weird about singing 22? Like now? I would, you'd have to, at this point, I, I was talking to this, or I was talking about this. I just like, wanted to sing it at like 60. Yeah, that's what I'm like. So I do, I'm fascinated by what Taylor Swift is going to do with her career when she's out of the sort of realm of being like, I am 25. One so it's you. like, you're yeah. 33. I get it. Teenagers, you still look like a, you know, like an old teen. Teens love you. You got that energy. But like when you're like 45, and not just that you're 45, you could still have energy and sing all those songs. But like, is a 16 year old, like I love Taylor Swift still. And it's like, I don't think so. So I'm like, so what do you do? Does she, she already had her folklore era. That's, that could have been her move. She already did that. 
is she going to get married and settle down and have a child at some point is she probably that's probably her next storytelling evolution that's right know? right that'd be interesting but then she still needs to sing 22 um there's a i'm feeling like having 22 kids <laughs> Oh God, Taylor! That'd no, be she's been abducted into a <laughs> yeah. cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I mean, for a lot of high school, I would listen to like whatever old seventies, eighties, like rock and stuff. And mm-hmm. like one of my early albums I got was like a best of when I was like I don't know fourteen, like Alice Cooper or whatever. You think you wouldn't think he had more than one song, nice. but he did. Um, well, yeah, he had Poison, Billion Dollar right. Babies. That's right. School's out. Uh, yeah, the song called 18. Is it called Bones, Bones. or what's it called? Um, I'll come. That's a yeah, Speed My Frankenstein. <laughs> no, there's some, I'll figure it out. Keep going. But he had a song called like 18, which I think is one of his earlier songs and just mm-hmm. sings about like being 18 or growing up and being 18. And I still love uh-huh. that song. I gotta find it. But I remember listening to that before I was 18 and I was like, yeah. Then I was 18 and I was like, yeah. And now if I listen to it, I'm like, Oh, not for me. (laughs) I'm like, it's great, but I'm like, damn. I remember when that was coming up, and now Mm -hmm. that's half my life ago. There's also songs that reference like 2009 that I remember listening to in high school, and I'm like, oh my god, they're talking about it like it's the future, Mm. (laughs) like like in spaceships and shit. I'm like, nope, sorry. Um. Yeah, I want her to sing like a lot of reputation music when You're she's like poison. 50. Be like, are you ready for a big it? reputation? <laughs> reputation. Ooh, yeah. I like that. I'm into that. Yeah. Um Ian, the draft. <laughs> as long as no, as long as we're totally off topic, oh, I have no. to I have to confess something. Okay. I decided for some reason to watch the Star Wars movies in order chronological of of story order so starting with phantom menace uh phantom menace is awful it is such a truly 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 bad movie and i'm gonna say this it may be controversial the clone wars 10 times more watchable not good it's not good and it's arguably worse as like a as like a thing but in terms of watchable i mean the anakin padme stuff God, awful. it's so bad. I don't know. Listen, I like Hayden Christensen. I've watched uh, um, a fantastic movie. He's a great actor. He, he was in that Lily Lee movie too. The oh, yeah. one from uh, Toronto. A lot of stuff there. Um, I don't know how George Lucas looked at him and thought, that's that's him that's my darth vader that's the guy right there that whiny canadian bitch is my darth vader like i think i texted my brother the other night and said hiring the same actor to play stephen glass and uh darth vader is like hiring the same actor to play willie loman and genghis khan like there's no like there's no crossover between those roles whatsoever but anyway um you didn't like him in jumper all of that is to say, yeah, I'm sure he was great in Jumper. All of that is to say, Phantom Menace, just an unwatchable turd from start to finish. Qui-Gon, I, I used to love Qui-Gon Jinn. That dude sucks. He's so boring. <laughs> and I love, we all love Liam Neeson, but that character's boring. I, 
I love when he just like sits down to like meditate and I'm like, bro, you should probably be doing fucking something else. And then he dies like 30 seconds later. (laughs) Like, what did you do? I also love how he dies with the little like, well, he like, you know, he like bops him on the head. Oh, yeah. I'm so sad. I was like, hey, you got me in the head. You're not allowed to do that. (laughs) Uh, But it starts with those incalculably racist trade federation guys and just gets worse. It just keeps getting bad. Now there's two of them. And baby Anakin is the second. Uh, is is better than Hayden Christensen and still terrible. It's just, oh, it's all awful. Anyway, that was a tangent. Um, so who are the Blues going to draft? Uh, Ian, will the Blues? Will here's my conspiracy theory. Hmm. If Doug Armstrong can get Matt Vaymichkov, I think he will. I feel like we keep spicy. talking. Here's he's the thing. Spicy. We keep. We, there's a lot of rumors about the Blues trading up. That much is true, right? Are they trading up to like sixth to draft like David Reinbacher? I don't think so, man. Like if they're trading up, they're going to get an impact player. And it makes sense for us. We're a team that can withstand a guy being gone for a couple of years. And then coming, you know, R- Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo are very good, but they're not at their prime yet. They're not fully mature NHL players yet. They could get a couple more years. We can build the team. We can clear up the defense, which is going to be bad anyway. And then Mitch Koff is like ushers in the new era of us being competitors. I see it as a fit. Obviously, if, if you know, if Antilli falls to third and we can have a chance to trade up and do something crazy there, maybe we do that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you think we'll pick at 10 or do you think we'll get up? We'll probably just pick at 10. Huh? I'm probably I mean. We'll probably pick a 10 and we'll probably also not pick anyone I've even heard of. I've read like 10 different names and it will be the 11th name. It's going to be be like Scott Daniel Butt. Oh, yeah. Daniel Boot. Yeah, let me scroll. It's going to be. Colby Barlow. Yeah, it's going to be Andrew Crystal or it's going to be uh, Charlie Strammel. And it's going to be fine. Oliver Bonk. I'm in. If it's Oliver Bonk, I'm in, baby. What do they have us going for? What does NHL have us going for if we do keep to 25? See, that's uh, so that's this big... is the athletic. It says Etienne Morin from the QMJHL. He's a defenseman. Um, and then uh, at 29, it has us picking Charlie Strammel from Wisconsin. Uh, these two guys agreed on Callum Ritchie at 25th on NHL.com, and then they had us picking. Danny Nelson or Charlie Strammel. Charlie Strammel seems to be a, a shoe in for 29. He's, he's a catch. He's a real catch for the Blues. So the, pro, the thing thank is God. Like, can I just say thank God we don't have the um the fake drama of where's this really good goalie gonna go this year? Oh yeah. There's one projected at 26. He's six seven. Draft him at 25. What are you thinking? <laughs> what are you thinking? He's six seven Michael every Her- time he's on the ice. Michael Hrabel, who plays for Omaha, which means I get to sing the Counting Crows every time I think about him, which is great. I'm into that. Anyway. Um, but I mean, who, you else, don't... who else will the Blues pick in this uh, abundantly accurate athletic mock draft? We'll get Jesse Keeskinen of the Pelicans in Finland and Felix Unger-Sorum. Oh, I mean, give me that guy. <laughs> then Connor Smith, but Connor spelled with a K 
And then uh, Zachary Schultz. Oh uh, yeah, we need a we need a Schultz. We need a we need any name that starts with sh and z ends in z. Constantine <laughs> Volchko. I'm into that. I like Samuel, Constantine. Samuel Urban. Um, I like it. I like it. I'm into it. I the thing is, I don't think we're going to even be picking with either of those. I really do believe that we're going to move those for what? I have no idea. I think what that's night is the, the draft? Mystery. It's Wednesday or Thursday? It's Wednesday is the first round. Yeah, like we I gotta just... we gotta get in the Zoom room and watch that together. Oh yeah, for real. I like I don't know. I don't know what they do like with those. They need to do something. What they really probably need to do is package them with a Pareko or with a Krug to get those dudes moving. Get out of here! Other shit. But like, get out of here. There seems to be, I don't know where I read it. It's, maybe it was on rumor, like a rumor website. Maybe it was just like something that people were mentioning. Maybe at you like read hockey it news. on Reddit. Maybe I read it on Reddit. But there seems to be rumblings that the, the Blues <laughs> want a scoring winger, like for the top six, which kind of makes sense because you did lose. Tarasenko, like even if you're like, oh, he wasn't mm-hmm. as good as he used to be, he also is We're probably gonna go get him back. <laughs> he probably is like a guaranteed I, 20 goals that you now are missing. Do you feel I could see I could see a scenario where he drops to like a four by four contract or whatever and gets or like, like perroned yeah. back over here? Like that would be nobody hilarious. wants you. We'll take you back, Vladdy. We love you. We never had any problems. Yeah. I hope I I'm not Doug Armstrong. I always said you should get a different kind of soldier <laughs> surgery. Just Doug Armstrong doesn't talk to him anymore. It's all what's his name, Ryan Bruce Miller. Affleck or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, Bruce. So we're like, hey, man, he's like, where's Doug? I'm like, no, 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 Doug's not here anymore. It's just me. I, I search Google, still GM. Ah, yeah, well, that's uh, a technicality, technicality. Uh, you know, Google's not always that accurate. Yeah, that's that before, right. right? You know, like when you, right. you know, like when you look up. <laughs> You know, like when you look up a uh, a restaurant and sometimes the hours are wrong, you go, it's still closed. It's like that. It's the yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah. oh, I see a guy around here so, looks kind of like what that. Store, what scoring wingers are out there? Quayton Keller, obviously. Quayton Keller, there's like rumor kind of that. Center, yeah. but he, I mean, he wants. They had to take a contract back, baby. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you're the Arizona Coyotes. You but must who, take that's something That's true, back. but who's but who's going to wave to go to Arizona? Nobody. So we're screwed. That is the problem. I will. Marco yeah, might. Marco might just be so, like, he's just like. <laughs> eh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll me. take one that's, for the team. That's my music, guys. I'll see you. It's been okay, real. I, I made enough money. I just want to go chill in the desert. Um, yeah. That is a good point, though. Wait, All less those... people are going to watch me make an absolute ass of myself 42 times a season? I'm in. Maybe I'm Who in. Sign? Yeah, those guys all having you want to give me a whole twenty dollars for all of my songs. You couldn't give a no move clause to fucking Petrangelo, who you weren't gonna ah! move anyways, but you just hand out no trade clauses these fuckers like it's candy. Like, what the fuck? Do any of these fuckers ever pop out of the wall and demand like a huge no trade clause? Oh. Uh, Alrighty. Now we have to move them to a team that they want to go to. Uh, yeah. Are there other players we're linked to? We're rumored to. Obviously, the, um, the Brinkat rumors. Yeah, persist. I feel like there was like yeah some the Brinkat stuff. I don't know that that like that's cool. I don't know that he really like fits this team. Like, cool. I'm good. I let's move towards that. 100. percent 
I don't believe in it. Like, I don't believe yeah. like the team in reality will do what they need to do to make that like you don't work on this team. Is it yeah. B- your brain cap fire same um, yeah it's like i, <laughs> I could definitely see this fan base being like the brain doesn't hit and it's like yeah i hope you knew that because <laughs> like that's that's uh yeah that's how it yeah. goes i i don't know like there's 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 folks out there travis Konechny is possibly available if the if the price is right if chuck fletcher was still there the i would say wrong, we could do bitch. it we could do it but he's oh yeah we get him for free we yeah. get him for free You'd pay us to take him. <laughs> this old shit out of here. Uh, God, Travis Konechny, an old NHL player now, born in 1997. Oh, Disgusting. no, I don't like that at all. Disgusting. Disgusting. I still uh, think players that are like 30, I'm like, yeah, you're like a year older than me and not almost three years younger than me. I'm going to be real upset when I'm older than like all the NHL players. I'm like, oh, no, they're all younger than me. Fuck. It's pretty like soon, get, man. We're getting there. We're fucking getting. We're there. already most of the way there. We're definitely over the over the knife edge, I would say. Uh, oh boy, I, don't I like can't it. be. Can All I right. be wearing a Robert Thomas jersey when they're like twelve years old or whatever? I love you, Robert. Be like, you could be my dad. Like, oh, I think you reach a point where you can because you're like, yeah, then you, you get circle back home. around, yeah. you know. You're in the I don't give a fuck uh, territory. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, Ian, I was gonna say, I think overall it's gonna be a really interesting night for the Blues. Like, I will be mildly shocked if they make all three of those picks. Like, yeah, definitely. if that happens, if that happens, I'll be much more interested in day two because I feel like then he's like working phones, like, fuck, we gotta do, we gotta do something, we gotta <laughs> do something. I got to make a move. I can't just sit here. Uh, speaking of people that need to make a move, we can't just sit Oh, here. no. <laughs> oh, Ian, no. Ian, 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 Ian. I could go for 14 hours on the Titan submersible. People, I assume everyone's familiar with this. Five story. people, one sub. A, if, if, Jesus. That's got to be the episode title. (laughs) If people aren't familiar with this story, there are currently five millionaires lost at sea, sealed in an underwater death penis, and it is entirely (laughs) their own fault. (laughs) And let me tell you why. They paid, four of them paid a quarter of a million dollars to get on this, what's it called? Ocean Edge, Aquatic. Oh, Ocean State. Gate. Ocean Gate. God, that sounds like a cult. And it is a cult. You're in a cult. They paid a quarter of a million dollars to get on a completely unregulated submersible controlled by, I shit you not, like a Wildcats GameCube controller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely cats. went to Mad Cats. It was Mad Cats. Or like uh, they traded in some games. There's that yeah. much for the Mad Cats. How much for Duke Nuke? <laughs> <laughs> and listen, this is I should I should feel so sad for these people. It's wrong, but it's like hubris. It's just like what did you think was gonna happen, guys? I hope they're found. God willing, they're found. They don't have much time left, but God willing, they're found. But this story. 
is mind-boggling to me. So they went down 1.5 hours after they went underwater, lost contact. They completely disappeared. They were trying to go down to the Titanic, which is 12,500 feet below sea level, two miles below the surface of the water. Boy, you couldn't get me two feet below the surface (laughs) of the water for more than about five seconds. Uh. What are you thinking? Do you honestly, do you reach a point where you're so wealthy that life itself just fucking bores you? And you're just like, whatever, if I die, who cares? I'm not that interesting anyway. That's gotta be where you are. This nobody signing up for this could have possibly thought they had a reasonable chance of surviving. They couldn't have possibly thought that. They must have realized that there was at least a 50-50 odd that this went horribly wrong because I haven't even gotten to the best part. You know how most submarines, Ian, they have like a a pressurized canister, like a tube that you go in and then you seal the top from the outside and then all the water holds it in and it's a watertight, obviously. But then, you know, if you go surface, you pop that thing back open then you climb out with your little ladder and you're like hey we're outside of the submarine yay they don't have that they got sealed into this thing so one of the very likely scenarios is that they surfaced because their safety their safety protocols would have had them surface um in most cases they surfaced and they're still slowly dying because they can't get themselves out of this tube in any way and they had 96 hours of oxygen on this thing and they are running out of time it's thursday morning i think they run out of time it is so fucking wild and i can't i can't get over it i cannot get over it i can't stop talking about this it's so man it's just it's crazy because they they have this guy, this retired Navy captain, David Marquette, uh, former submarine captain on CNN. And he said, they're freezing cold water entirely surrounding the ship. They're freezing or slightly below temperature. When they exhale, their breath condenses. There's frost on the inside parts of the submarine. They're all huddled together, trying to conserve body heat. They're running low in oxygen. And they're exhaling carbon dioxide. And it was like, this is the worst way this is the worst way to go i'm just like oh yeah i can't i literally can't fathom a worse way to die the sub is carrying five people a british adventurer a french diver a pakistani father and son and a founder of ocean gate and the founder of ocean gate expeditions uh well at least uh, yeah. he's taken his own medicine you know it's like it's just it's just nuts i like you said like i'm not going underwater i'm not going to fuck i'm Said this before, I'm not going like, underwater. I'm not going over water. Yeah, I'm not I'm going not doing... on water. Uh-uh. Like, I'll go on a cruise ship. That's one of those cruises where it's like, hey, we're going to go from Seattle or Vancouver to like Alaska. And the whole time, there's land over there, baby. There's land right yeah. there. You can always see it. We're just like going to stop over here. But anything that's like, hey, which I've never fucking understood, let's cruise to like the middle of the ocean. I'm like, why? Why? Just put me on the cruise ship and let, <laughs> let's not leave. I'll go on the cruise ship and be like, hey, you're locked in on the cruise ship. I mean, you can get off on this little ladder and just go back to fucking California or whatever. But <laughs> have fun on the cruise ship. Like, yeah, have fun. I'm like, there's no reason that you'd be out on the water. Oh, God. Like, that in and of itself is like too much for me. And then it's like, I mean, going underwater in a submarine is as close as you can get to without actually being in space you'd like that's the most like 
just isolated you can be in an, in an environment that is like ex extremely hostile to you <laughs> and I can't imagine yeah like you said I, I don't know maybe it's maybe it's money where you just feel like you know what I'm immune to this to tragedy like this because I just have all this money and this is cool and obviously this guy this guy has a lot of money and I trust those people too and he made the sub and like cool beans but like also man it's the the titanic's still down there um if you want to see shit like what's his face james cameron did all this himself and he made his own like documentaries about this go watch one of them i think they're free you know on max like go watch that there's so many things in the world so many things that are truly stunning and incredible that you can see without risking your life in any way mm -hmm. you can see the grand canyon you can see Mount Everest. You can see, you know, the bottom. I mean, if you climb to the top, you're risking your life there too. But not as much as this, in my opinion. Probably not. And that's pretty honestly. impressive. You can see volcanoes. You can see the Serengeti. You can see uh, Abu Dhabi and Dubai and New York City. You can go to the Grand Canyon again. You can buy a mansion overlooking the Grand Canyon. I just, I just don't understand the instinct to be like, yeah, this is what I got to do. Twelve thousand feet, twelve thousand feet below the surface of the ah ah. That scares me, man. That just even just thinking about, not even thinking about it in the in the context of having people down there, but just like thinking about that distance vertically scares oh, yeah. me. Like, how can there be that much water? That's so much water. Oh you ever my think God. About how, like, we're like 70% water on this this planet. And you're just like, oh my God. Is that true? Is, this, is that like just surface area too? Because I feel like the fucking oh, depth yeah. has to be even more than oh, that. Oh yeah. Right? I, I think it's, I, I would assume, I think I've always at least assumed that it just means like surface area God. of like the planet. But yeah, like the depths of how much water. What's even <laughs> creepier too is like, I don't know if it's if this is more creepy or less creepy and maybe it's like both where it's sort of like how they talk about space where like oh we're the only things in the universe that are alive like that's scary it's like we're not the only things in the universe that are alive that's, like, also, that's also scary, scary. <laughs> yeah that's kind of how like I know they said like I've learned some time ago somewhere in my adult life that I was like oh in the middle of the ocean there's not like just fucking fish everywhere and sharks and shit all floating around. It's mm -hmm. like, no, there's actually very little life, like just in the middle of the ocean, maybe on the ocean floor, but not really like just there unless they're like migrating. Like a lot of it's coastlines and close, closer to land and stuff like that. So like in one sense, like you're underwater, you're in the middle of the Atlantic. So like, there's probably nothing really around there. So it's not as scary. And it's like, also there's nothing around you. <laughs> and I'm like, that's yeah. all, that's also scary. I'm like, fuck. Oh God, I just, how far they had to go. That's the other thing. Like not even just down, but like where the fucking Titanic sunk oh, yeah. isn't like by anything. Yeah. Oh, you just, and they could just be a white, a white dot on the Atlantic ocean, somewhere between Newfoundland and Cornwall <laughs> running out of oxygen <laughs> minute by minute. And it's all their own fault. Oh, I don't, I just, well, bleh, bleh, bleh. they have heard banging though, which is haunting. Yeah. Haunting. <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> that 
That is so terrifying. I saw, listen, listen. I love my Gen Zs. Uh, We love them. If you're Gen Z and you're listening to this podcast, you're welcome. But I have to say a word to that group of people because on TikTok, which is where this, you know, story is pretty much the only story right now. A lot of people start these TikToks with um, trigger warnings and they're like trigger. I saw one. It was the whole world word spelled out for whatever the fear of seeing objects underwater, seeing man-made objects underwater. I'll find the image. Uh, hold on a second. I love the. I mean, second. I know we just talked about our it's fears, but some, I love these really specific fears. Yeah. It's submechanophobia, which is the fear of seeing uh, man-made objects underwater. And friend, I know you're a sweet spirit. I know you're doing this for the right reason. You're making a TikTok about a lost submarine. If people got here and didn't know that's what they were here for, that's on them. That's on them. And listen, it's not right. It's not morally or ethically a great thing, but we're all here for the disaster point of it. We know what we're doing. You ain't got to warn me. I'm I'm here. I know. I'm I'm aware. You know, we ain't got to go through this. We ain't got to go. We ain't got I will say one of the most fascinating things about TikTok, though, is just like the people that there are on Earth. Just like because every time there's one of these stories on TikTok, one of these like big international stories, there will be 10, 15 videos with millions of views that are like, oh, yeah, I spent 19 years uh, manning a a cruise ship submarine that went down to depths of 250 feet to look at uh, sea pigs. And I'm like, how that's just a job that you can have as that's oh, yeah. like that's like you can be a lawyer or you can be a cruise ship sea pig submarine <laughs> and then those are just the same amount of oh things. yeah i love that you're uh, never hearing people are like i run like i'm a bank teller it's yeah, always exactly. like yeah i don't know if you knew about this but yeah i actually craft like the glass that goes in into the submarines yeah um, this place didn't have a submarine window that's part of their problem yeah. <laughs> it was like we were never contacted by these people that's the issue god yeah that's my official take on the whole story why are they down there why why did you do this to yourself i don't like it any other thoughts Mm, no i hope they're found i hope i hope this is over soon and and with a happy ending but like man just you know just just think before you dive think before you leap Maybe when they show you the Mad Cats controller, like, say what now? No. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, and it's, wi- it's wireless, too. So see, we yeah. don't have to worry about those pesky wires. I love when the guy was like, you go right. If you push it right, you turn right. If you push it over on the, the other side, the left side, you turn left. And it's like, yeah, dude, thanks. I get that, like, like that's an, like a, a thing people know about these days. So, like, if you like, I know, I don't know, I guess I shouldn't say I know that, but like, I feel like they'll probably have people use controllers like that to fly drones and shit because that's what mm-hmm. kids are used to and stuff. But like, I want something that looks government grade. 
It's like, sure, it can That's be a controller, thing. but it, it wasn't needs to not approved be... by any yeah. regulation at all. Oh, oh listen, I'm I'm not a fan of red tape, but some things should have red tape. Yeah. And one of those things is submarines that are designed to go down to 12,000 feet. <laughs> you fucking idiots. You know, they can't even take rescue subs down there. You know, the no. rescue subs are like, we can't get down that far. You'd have to be crazy to go down. There. <laughs> yeah. We've never rescued someone <laughs> from those depths. Who would be down there? Uh... <laughs> oh. Ringo Starr swimming by in his yellow submarine, and they're like, Oh, oh, <laughs> can't help, help you, out, mister. Yeah, we left our rig at home, can't help you. Oh, god, I hope they're found. You know, time's ticking. Donate to the fund. I don't think there's a fund because they were already wealthy, but man, it's just a this is just a parable for the for the dangers of pride, you know, <laughs> as they say, pride cometh before the fall and in this case it certainly has so any final thoughts ian i hope the blues don't sink next week at the draft or maybe i do hope they sink maybe i hope they sink all the way to pick number two that's right that's right I hope they do as well. But, what do you have uh, to do? Put Robert Thomas and uh, trade Robert Thomas and Cairo to the and, Ducks and the tenth <laughs> and the tenth, and they're like, "Here's the second, maybe." I feel like we get it for that. I feel like if we did that, they'd be like, "Yeah, here you go." Well, then, well we got we got to make the moves. <laughs> then you got to make moves, Doug. I feel like Just that would, on your hands. I, I don't think that would get you. Uh, get you bedard but oh, i think no, anyone no, no, else no. would be like are you fucking stupid of course you're gonna have this pick uh goes, in any i'm not case. stupid i'm stupid like a fox baby <laughs> not stupid i'm doug armstrong two cups baby you have two cups do you have two cups i don't think so i have two cups and so does this podcast now we've only got one but there's soon enough the day will come when matt Vay mitchkoff lists the cup about this head just kidding we'd never make a russian captain of this team <laughs> but, uh Folks, it's but God only knows how long we've been doing this. It's time to stop. It's time to stop. Ian, has this been like a two-hour podcast, two plus hour? The Close. folks, the folks are going crazy. Folks, if I can leave you with anything, I can leave you with this. When someone covers up sexual assault, you got to stand up and you got to say, you know what? No, this is wrong. And secondly, if a guy offers to let you pay him $250,000 to get into a penis that he's going to seal up and shoot into the ocean, you're allowed to say no. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good night. See ya.